Welcome to the Inside Job Podcast with your hosts, David Evans and Casper Chittingdon. We're two Brighton-based life coaches on a mission to help men lead more purposeful, authentic and fulfilling lives. So let us take you on a journey as we explore what keeps men stuck and discover the empowering beliefs, fresh conditioning and growth mindsets that lead us to live life to the fullest. Okay, welcome to the Inside Job with Casper and Dave. Um, very excited today because we're going to be talking about optimal well-being and why optimal well-being is so important to us as human beings. So I'm going to dive straight in and just ask Casper, what is optimal well-being? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Optimal well-being is very central to my life and the work that I do as a coach. And simply put, I define optimal well-being as being well in every area of your life. And I guess I can talk a little bit about how optimal well-being started out for me and my experience of optimal well-being. So I shared with our listeners and shared with Dave in our introduction episode of the Inside Job podcast around my experience into coming into this kind of big radical life shift that I had when I decided to take care of my physical body, moving from mm-hmm. being generally unhealthy and unwell to being very fit and very healthy and all the benefits that brought along with it. So optimal well-being for me really starts with our physiology, about being well in our body and mind. The mind body is so delicately intertwined if we have a good, strong body that we take care of and we get good rest, we nourish ourselves, we move regularly, we spend time to tune into silence and stillness, we're generally going to have a more peaceful mind and we can give ourselves space from our our repetitive thinking or negative thoughts or beliefs or we can actually catch those and see them for what they truly are. So for me, optimal well-being starts with really the physiology of the human body. And then from there looks into other areas of our lives, like our careers, our relationships with self and other, and our passions and what makes us feel fulfilled and brings us joy. So really coming back to it, like for me, optimal well-being started with changing my physiology, but I got to a point where I was like, okay, this is great, but I'm starting to see that other areas in my life may be at a kind of a four or a five and then they're not at a 10. So that's causing a level of kind of dis-ease within myself. And I know that if I start to look at those things, like for example, like a relationship with a partner or a friend or a family member isn't where I want it to be, then that's going to cause some level of dis-ease or I'm not feeling fulfilled in my life fully. I'm, for example, I don't have the creative outlet that I desire. So that area of my life isn't at maximum. It isn't where it could be. Mm. So I can look to that and start to turn the dial up on that. And it's about looking at every area of our lives and understanding like, okay, where is that on a level of one to 10? And how can I increase that? How can I Mm. bring about Mm. well-being in every area of my life? Mm. Mm. Wow, Casper, I love that. There's so much there to unpack. And you touch for me on what optimal well-being is. A little bit of the why and a little bit of the how as well. Mm. 
Well, one of the things that really caught my attention, I heard you say peaceful mind. Mm. And that come, that was something that initially I wouldn't have associated with optimal well-being. And that sounds like that's talking a little bit about the why of optimal well-being. So would you like to tell a bit more about why it's so important to you and why it's so important for you to work with your clients to move in this direction? And I'm guessing it's associated with something to do with a peaceful mind. Yes. <laughs> I think... For my own personal experience, when I'm feeling aligned and I'm feeling well in every area of my life, or as close as possible to being well in every area of our life, mm. it's always a journey of adjustment and mm. reflection mm. and fine tuning. Mm. But I guess the question is, how does it bring about what's the effect and why of optimal well-being? And when I'm in that place and when I'm feeling very aligned, I feel peaceful and I feel mm full of mm. joy and full of mm. gratitude and I feel mm. well mm. and it's the as I mentioned before it's this kind of dis-ease mm. is a real like signal for me that something is out and something in my life mm. needs addressing when mm. I address that and I overcome that then I'm back into this centered point yeah and that centered point for me is a still mind it's comfort it's a life without dis-ease yeah I love that. And listeners, you won't be able to see. So Casper's moving his hand into the center of his body is like he's doing this hand signal for alignment. And you've used words like comfort and ease. Would you just unpack that a little bit more for us? Like, how do you experience that? Is that in your head? Is it in your body? How do you know that you've got disease or comfort mm. or peace? Mm. What is the, what's that like? Can you unpack that for our listeners? Yeah. That's a great question and it's a really interesting topic to explore. Mm. It's a funny one because recently I, it came to me a little while ago. I had this, had this kind of, I guess you could call it insight or it was just a bit of a realization. And I was actually, I was, I was driving through Brighton and we were, my partner Megan and I were heading out to the countryside to go for a walk. This must have been earlier in the year. And I suddenly noticed that my mind was very clear. Mm -hmm. there's no kind of chatter there's there's no Mm -hmm. talk it was just Mm -hmm. very peaceful and quiet and and it wasn't like oh wow my mind's just quiet it's just it I'd noticed it had been very quiet and very still Mm -hmm. for a long period of time that I just noticed it wasn't this sort of background chitter chatter Mm -hmm. or or Mm -hmm. nervous feelings or any Mm -hmm. like anxious feelings or any I must do this or I should do that or I feel bad about x y or z and just very quiet very peaceful that everything is just just where it needs to be right now and so that's within the mind. It's a very still place of completeness, mm-hmm. feeling very complete, feeling like things are where they need to be right now. Everything is where it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Nothing needs to be done. There's no should, should mm-hmm. be doing this or should mm-hmm. be doing that. It's like mm-hmm. everything's here and it's, it's in, in, it's in the right place. Yeah. It sounds like you're really present to the present moment. Very present to the present moment, mm. feeling at ease feeling at ease in the mind and body and within yeah. the mod within the body it's mm. i guess if you tune into the interoception of mm. what's going in the on in the body it's can you just unpack that word interoception for us yeah interoception <laughs> it's it's the feeling yeah. of what's going on within the body Thanks, yeah. and i noticed that my mm. shoulders are relaxed there's no tension up in my up upper body mm-hmm. i'm not holding any mm-hmm. air in, in my in my chest i'm, I'm mm-hmm. breathing naturally and easefully mm-hmm. i'm able to rest mm-hmm. very easily mm-hmm. it doesn't take me a long time to down regulate from a kind mm-hmm. of a heightened alert state so in the evenings i don't need to come home and be like mm-hmm. looking for a few beers to drink to bring me back yeah. down it's just yeah. i get home you know 
down tools and it's off to rest and recovery before mm. going to sleep mm. with ease. So I feel easeful in my body and mind mm. and still. Yeah. So there's like this common theme view of this like stillness and body and mind are one system. We know that mm. so a still mind often leads to a still body and a still body will lead to a still mind. But I really get this sense of deep relaxation in your body and it's often the metaphor i think of is sometimes like a cat that's just laying on the on a fence so they're balanced and poised but they're not rigid and stiff but if they need to move they can but they don't need to so they're just in this kind of state of like optimal stillness and balance Mm. and it sounds like that's what you're experiencing in your kind of state of optimal well-being yeah exactly I also like to describe optimal well-being as like an interplay between physical, emotional Mm -hmm. and mental being. So it's a kind of really close, gentle interplay between Mm. those three elements. Mm, Beautiful. And how do they play off? Because I think there's, you know, it's interesting you talk about ease, but also I think part of the journey of optimal well-being is that it's not a static thing. You're not always going to be in a place of, I'm optimal all the time. Optimal well-being to me anyway means that there's a dynamic element to it that I'm going to feel off from day to day. Some days I'm going to feel really scratchy right off center. Can you talk a little bit about that as well in the context? I love what you're saying about mental, physical and emotional kind of context. Do you want to say a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. I think you're right to point out, Dave, that not every day is sunshine and roses. The journey to optimal well-being requires us to really tune into when we aren't at our best or we aren't feeling optimal or Mm -hmm. or there's kind of something there is to explore it. Mm -hmm. And it's that exploration that actually helps deepen our capacity to be well. Yes. Yeah. So for, for example, you know, if we're feeling a sense of kind of dis-ease and this could be around a situation within a relationship. It could be with your boss, could be with your partner, could be Mm. with a parent, a sibling, a friend. Mm. So we're just going to talk about relationships. If there's something off there, Mm. the invitation really is to explore why that is, why that is present and what needs, what action needs to be taken or how you need to show up for yourself and others to bring yourself back into that regulated state, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And what I'm hearing is when you use the word action, that's not necessarily an outward action. That may be an inner choice. It may be a change of inner narrative. It may be actually I need to self-regulate and then have a conversation with someone when I do it from a place of centeredness and of kind of openness. And I also love that you're weaving in your optimal well-being is not just about you. It's about you in your relational world. Mm. Like when there's high quality relationships around you, that kind of is a virtuous circle in some ways. It starts to feed your optimal well-being and you then feed into the optimal well-being of others as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think kind of building building on this conversation, it's really if there is some dis-ease in your relationships, especially with people that you care about, that can then drive a narrative or bring online some thinking that could be old stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the invitation there is to be like okay why is this present for me yeah can i pick this thread up and and follow it back like when was an earlier time that i felt like this and getting curious and exploring and that is the transformational work casper and i we talked about this in the first podcast and when we met there was like this synergy and we got talking about optimal well-being and i realized that i hadn't thought about that as a thing for myself but 
When Casper talked about it, he did ask me, what is optimal well-being for you? I needed to go away and think about it. And I came back with, for me, it's a feeling of aliveness in all areas of my life. And so it's that part of alive in my relationships and not tick-tocking or numb or dead, alive in my work, alive in my exercise routine, alive in my kind of day-to-day life. And that, for me, is my optimal well-being. It's not just about doing my marathon training runs or going for a sea swim or making sure I get the right number of carbs and protein in my diet, which is where we can go to. So I love this kind of much more expansive view. It really helped me think about my life as well as we've had this conversation about optimal well-being. And I think also what I'm hearing you say, Casper, which I really love is at the heart of optimal well-being is awareness. You're very sensitive and aware of what's going on in your mind and what's going on in your body And you've got an anchor point of what's optimal for you. You've mentioned this word stillness. And so you're very sensitive to when that goes off. And it sounds like this is a story I want to check out with you. You've made a commitment to yourself that as soon as it's off, the first thing you do is come back to center before you do anything else. And that's the action that you take for yourself to be what you describe as optimal well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that from there... And and coming back to that centered point and that stillness, Mm. that kind of calm, collective, Mm. still place, Mm. it's from there that I can make really Mm. conscious decisions and choices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm making decisions and choices when I'm dysregulated or not Mm. in a state of ease or Mm. I'm operating from a place of dis-ease, it's what type of conversation am I going to have with this person Mm. if I'm operating Mm. from a place of Mm. fear? Mm. or shame and i may blame some blame somebody and i make i might make choices from that place that aren't really in alignment with who i want to be yeah in the world absolutely and and i think this is such an important part of coaching it's like the habit change ultimately we want behavior change in coaching that's what we mean when we say transformation is that our behaviors change and noticing that if you have a conversation from a place of fear or from a place of shame, although the conversation may be one conversation, it's also perpetuating fear or it's perpetuating shame or depression or anxiety. So the choice to come back and then have a conversation from a, a place of centeredness perpetuates centeredness and perpetuates optimal well-being. Mm. Even if it's not an easy conversation or it's not your... You know, one of the things we talked about when we were talking about this podcast is there's a comfort zone the kind of place that we ride right that's easy right we can all live in our comfort zone but when we live optimally there's always going to be a place where we're stepping out of our comfort zone because optimal well-being means expansion as well it means that we're constantly on that edge of growth Mm. and so there's a almost an implicit part of this which is about becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable and <laughs> it sounds like that's what you're talking about there right i'm coming back to i know i'm uncomfortable but i'm going to make a choice from a place of centeredness yeah and i know that this is uncomfortable but why is it uncomfortable yeah and that's really exciting because when we can find that it's like why is this really uncomfortable for me or why is this conversation difficult what is the kind of the blueprint of why this is hard to have let's say a conversation with somebody which might feel like very uncomfortable to you why has that arisen yes yeah and essentially it could be a behavior that you've learned at a young age to keep you safe served Mm. a purpose Mm. back when you were a child yeah but it now actually hinders you from having deeper more connected relationships for example another piece that comes through for me around optimal well-being is it's really about getting into alignment with our true authentic selves Mm. 
Absolutely. One thing, we, when you say true authentic self, that takes me down the spiritual or the spirituality of coaching. And I guess my kind of coaching practice resides from a spiritual perspective. And I think it's one of the things that Casper and I noticed about optimal well-being is that Casper comes in from the kind of embodied perspective of how's my body. And that leads through to mental, emotional and spiritual. Whereas for me, I come from a kind of, am I on purpose and am I spiritually aligned? And if I'm not, I haven't got optimal well-being. And out of that drops into all of my kind of behaviors. And that authentic person, that authentic well-being is that part of you that's choosing who do I want to become? Who am I today? Making choices about living from a place of joy, making choices about being purposeful. Um, there is, and I, I love this quote, it's by Victor Frankl who wrote A Man's Search for Meaning. And the quote, you'll hear this throughout this podcast many times, because it's, and if, it's what I coach by as well, which is between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is a power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I think in that space is also where our authentic self resides, because... Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we are a connection of one choice and behavior after another. Mm. And that's ultimately and behaviorally, that's where our authentic self shows up. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that quote. It's something as well. It's a quote that I that I refer to often. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's it is wonderful. And I think also within that and we talk about habits, Mm. if you're operating from that place of slowing down so you can witness the choices that you're making Mm. that's where you can disrupt your own patterning yes if you have bad habits and you want to break them it's slow down yeah so that you can witness yourself about to make a choice that is either in alignment or outside of alignment yeah of who you would like to become yeah and we can break that down in a really simple way you get home from work you're very stressed out you have the choice you decide Mm. do you want to do you want to move or move towards a coping mechanism? Mm. Have a few glasses of wine, which might disrupt your sleep. Mm. That really perpetuates this cycle of keeping your body out of homeostasis, essentially. Mm. Mm. Or do you want to make a choice that actually you're going to regulate yourself through a practice like yoga nidra? You're mm. just going to mm. you're going to put your phone down. You're going to mm. lie on the floor and you're mm. going to go through a twenty to thirty minute body scan. Yeah, or go for a run or get on the exercise bike and just burn off that adrenaline and cortisol and then you know get yourself into that state too. Mm. And you might be wondering, what do we mean by authentic selves? And I think we will unpack this through this podcast. But one simple way of I find of describing an authentic self is my authentic self is myself that comes from a place of love. And that can be love in terms of compassion for myself, compassion for another person. It's that place where my parasympathetic nervous system is making choices. It's a state that Casper talks about being relaxed, being at ease. And my non-authentic self is the part of me that makes decisions from fear. It's, it's my ego, it's my mask, it's the part of me that wants to control things it's the part of me that wants to belong to things it wants the part of me it's the part of me that wants to know how things are going to end but that part of me is also the dysregulated part of me it's the part of me that creates the sympathetic nervous system response and so i think for me optimal well-being is also knowing that we cycle through that through the day there will be parts of the day where my ego self is comes online it gets triggered in some way and it's not about never being triggered 
It's about knowing that you're triggered. This beautiful, exquisite awareness that Casper's talking about in his body, that awareness then brings you to a choice of, okay, do I go for a coping mechanism or do I do some breath work or do I go and go for a walk around the block, get some sunshine on my skin and just get a little bit of self-talk, change direction. I know I sometimes listen to a podcast that inspires me and that brings me back into my authentic self. Yeah, it brings you back into regulation. Another way to really talk about, well, not another looking at optimal well-being. It does, as Dave says, is around choices. And I think optimal well-being really does require daily choices and actions that drive a way of being that's in an in alignment with how you want to experience your world. I was <laughs> reading a book the other day called Flow. Uh-huh. And within the first few pages, the author was talking about optimal experience. And I guess I was really hooked. As soon as I as soon as I mm. as soon as I read the word optimal, I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> What's this about? And it, and I had to put the book down because I thought to myself, like, okay, optimal well-being really drives optimal experience. Yeah. If our body is highly attuned and it's it's able to experience our our senses are, are like finely tuned so we're able to experience on a physiological level high states but then our mental and emotional states are also really in check then it's the way that we're going to be living our lives like day to day is really optimal it's our mm. our experience is optimal mm. we mm. get to live in a state which is really regulated we're able to access joy very easily we're calm mm. from there mm. we can make really conscious and informed choices and decisions which then just continue to perpetuate this state of wellness within us and that drives optimal experience yeah if i ask you it's the difference between feeling tight and stressed out and having Mm. this kind of low level background anxiety Mm. or kind of worry is there you might Mm. be able to silence it out or distract it but if Mm. you're like your resting state is one of like peace and ease yeah that's an optimal experience yeah and you don't need to go jump out of a a hot air balloon attached to a bungee cord to experience you know yeah something really exhilarating you can feel yeah very it can be very exhilarating just, just to sit in stillness and, and peace and just be like wow this is great or just behold a tree and be like oh, this is pretty incredible Definitely. i was away camping this weekend and it was just fantastic out in nature i saw a herd of black sheep which will have some meaning to some listeners we'll talk about that maybe later on um but it was just such a beautiful experience. And we came back, we lit a fire, cooked our tea over a fire. Clear night. And I know this sounds idyllic. They were shooting stars. It was just, wow. <laughs> That's another optimal experience. I think there's one thing that I'd really like to talk about on the topic of optimal well-being. And I guess this ties into my own personal journey. I left a, a job in real estate in Argentina, which had been very exciting for me, but after a while was starting to get, I, I just, I wasn't that interested in it. I was, I was mm. create, making these finalizing deals, which was very exciting, but it just, it wasn't fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so that kind of journey to find something for me mm. that was more mm. fulfilling was mm. just expanding optimal mm. well-being. Mm. And arriving back in England, retraining as a personal trainer and then going on to found my own gyms in London and working with people to help them experience 
being well, what I was really starting to experience over time that was that people's well-being, physical well-being can be disrupted by the yeah. stress that can yeah. be experienced in the workplace. Yeah. That stress can really impact our sleep. Yes. It can drive coping mechanisms. Yeah. And, and our physical well-being. And of and mass yeah. and over time our physical well-being. Yeah. So when we look when we talk about optimal well-being, the growth edge here in this mm. particular situation mm. will be, you know, it's not so much okay, what can I do to mm. reduce stress on a physiological level. It's like, mm. what conversation do I need to have? Because you can have mm. all the cold submersion, all yeah. the like, all the saunas. Yeah. You can eat all the great food. You can really prioritize it, all of the stuff. Yes. But if you're not really looking at what's driving the stress in the yes. first place, yes, you're fighting a losing battle. Absolutely. And I think that really blends into when limiting beliefs can play out because... Our stress isn't a response to the situation. Our stress is a response to the mindset that we hold about how we filter that situation. So there may well be someone who has the same boss as you who just doesn't get bothered by the way the boss behaves. So then it's a real clue that actually it's not the boss that's creating the stress. The stress is coming from within you. It's how you're perceiving your boss's behavior. And at first that may sound like, oh, that's a blame statement, but it's not. It's actually an empowering statement because if you've got a mind that's creating the stress, you've also got a mind that can uncreate that stress. And that's like, for me, the transformation piece. That is the path to optimal well-being is to start to recognize some of your responses, which don't serve you anymore. It may have kept you safe mm. when someone raised their voice that you would feel like tense and your body would react and you'd go mm. and hide. Mm. That might be absolutely normal for you as your life progressed but at some point that's no longer useful as we change our environments and we step into our adulthood in different ways and that's where certainly again as coaches that's the place that we explore and that's what we mean by transformation is that inner wisdom that inner looking and that will change our physiological response and then yeah we can have a highly physically fit body but if we haven't got the mindset to go with it we'll constantly be going backwards and forwards to the gym to try and if we're not careful it can become another coping mechanism it can become another form of addiction and so there's that kind of awareness i was thinking where did i kind of realize that my way into well-being was through my kind of mind like through spirituality and i had a as casper was talking i had a flashback it was at a meditation retreat and it was a eight day retreat and it was about day three in you know, and my body was painful. It was shaking. I was like, I was so you know, was all angry with the meditation teacher. And then suddenly something happened in my body and it was like a ripple, a wave just went through my body and all this tension just dropped and my mind went quiet. I went, oh, this is what stillness is like. And, for, and from that moment on, I, I've always gone back to sort my mind out, sit still my mind, and then my body follows. And that was a little bit of a segue, but coming back to what you're saying about stress in particular, and it, it may be a new thing for people to realize that stress is created on the inside. And so I just wanted to stop and pause on that. It can be both daunting, but also empowering to, to realize that. Mm. And actually, as I was saying earlier, that, these are these kind of these situations these are where we can find growth yes at at, yeah. at these confrontations or edgy situations 
why is this arising for me? Why do I mm. feel like this mm. in this particular situation? Why mm. is this person mm. triggering me so much? Mm. And how can I alchemize this? Yeah. What inner work can I do to transform this? Because yeah. that's where the clue lies yes. for belief, beliefs that we may have formed about ourselves when we were younger that, mm. that now no longer serve us. Mm. And you can either go, oh, that's just a, they're a terrible person. They're mm. a bully. Mm. and come home and be like oh, <laughs> I need a few beers to bring me yeah. down and, and regulate myself or do whatever else yeah that, a Netflix binge and a few beers or, yeah yeah <laughs> just to drown just drown it out and then yeah. come back to the situation the next yeah. day and it's just yeah. there you are on repeat yeah whereas you could really go oh, I'm mm. gonna look at this and mm. why is this mm. painful for me and if we're brave enough to go into the shadow and really look for the reasons mm that are driving this feeling within us mm. and look to shift that mm. we're mm. going to live a life of, of increased ease and being from that. Brilliant. Yeah. I think I love what you're saying there. Cause I think that's, you're talking to one of the keys I think that is will unlock optimal well-being, and that's to take responsibility for our lives. And I know that sounds like, well, what does that mean? Is it, it sounds very coachy. Partly what I mean by that is to take responsibility for the way that we feel. Because once we make that choice of, okay, whatever I'm feeling on the inside, I'm creating it because I'm the only one in here. Once we start to claim, okay, I'm creating my feelings, that is for me one of the keys that unlocks optimal well-being because then it's, we're having a different conversation now. We're looking inside of ourselves and going, what am I, how am I interpreting what's going on outside? And part of transformational coaching part of the journey of having a life that's easier and easier is knowing that outside events will stimulate parts of you and it's having the curiosity when they're stimulated to explore them i'm going to use the word heal them maybe and then you know move on but knowing (laughs) the next week there'll be another one and then there'll be another one as you get more and more comfortable, you become self-actualizing, self-authoring of your life. And again, for me, that's another it's a form of privilege that I know I hold is I have a life that I can self-author. Not everyone has that. So with that, for me, comes a responsibility of living an optimal life, which is in the direction of well-being and helping others. Yeah, it is a journey, optimal well-being. It's a journey and a choice and a life choice. There's an exercise that that I use with my clients coming back to being well in every area of our lives called the circle of life. So the circle of life exercise, Dave calls it the wheel of life, um, has a multitude of different areas. And mm. when I say optimal well-being, mm. being well in every area of our life, mm. you can use this wheel or circle, however, which way you, you want to, uh, you want to call it. And give yourself a rating from mm. one, one to mm. 10. Mm. I think it gives you like the helicopter view of, your life as a whole so it's a very kind of holistic way of looking at how you're experiencing your whole of your life yeah exactly there's a number of elements within this and you can add you can take away you can create your own yeah if you like whatever's really meaningful for you yeah but usually you would have areas such as finances career education health physical activity home environment relationships social life joy spirituality Mm. and you can give yourself a a mark out of one to ten in these areas and if you notice let's say for example your social life is really low it's not where you Mm. want it to be Mm. the invitation is there to go and Mm. create that 
explore that. Explore yeah. that yeah. and actually Im- improve yeah. that. It's about bringing in more into our lives yeah. or actually or reducing. Yeah. It's about yeah. creating that yeah. balance that feels right for yeah. each of us as individuals. Yes. And often what I will do with my clients is ask them to look at it. And then if you imagine like a pizza or a pie, each one of these sections will be a slice of the pizza and you'll have a kind of rating from one to 10 where one's like unsatisfactory and 10. Woohoo. <laughs> I'm on fire here. And just look at that thing as a whole. And you may have a low place in one area, but that may not be the area that you want to work on because you can choose what's the one area that will have an impact on all areas. What's the one that will turn the dial up on everything? And sometimes that can be a really like surprising insight for you as a client. So I guess we'll put one of these in the show notes and you can download it and have a go yourself. It's a starting point. How do I even get a handle on do I have optimal well-being in my life? Yes or no? So yeah, there's an invitation there for you to take that first step. Mm, absolutely. And for our listeners out there who are looking to do this exercise, mm. the what I would recommend doing is is creating some space for yourself. Mm-hmm. This mm. is not something you just be like, oh, I'm mm. just going to download this mm. in my coffee break and just mm. quickly bang it out. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, you re- to do this exercise properly, it's mm-hmm. about creating some time for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, do it on a weekend, mm-hmm. go for a long walk in nature, mm-hmm. switch off your devices, mm-hmm. tune into yourself, mm-hmm. sit mm-hmm. down and really get honest, mm-hmm. like really honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you notice that there's, there's something out or you're, you have that realization like, oh, do you know what? Like my health really isn't where mm-hmm. it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Mm. or it's really not where I'd like it to be. Mm. Mm. And that might just, that one area might be something that you want to commit some time mm. to, mm. or it could be like your creativities. You're not, mm. you're not, mm. you're a creative person. We're all creative people, but yes. you just, you haven't created that space f- for any creativity for a long mm. time. And that's mm. affecting your joy. That's affecting your headspace. And I know personally that this was something that I was looking to bring into into my life and I sought out a sculpture teacher. So I'm Mm. taking sculpture Mm. lessons every Friday afternoon. And that's moved my creativity from a a three to an eight, like immediately. And with that and with optimal wellbeing, the the requirement there is to really check in regularly. It's what dial can I turn Mm. to just continue Mm. to Mm. expand and Mm. and increase this sense of being within Mm. my life. And it's just that process of reflection mm. and refinement. We're mm. always just moving towards and keeping ourselves in center to mm. that optimal experience. I love that, Casper. And it feels like we're like changing gear a little bit here because we talked about what the what and the why of optimal well-being. Why is it important to us? What it is and how we check in with it. And you may be thinking, okay, how do I make a start of kind of just exploring what optimal well-being? This might be a, a new concept for you. Mm. So I think one of the things is that the circle of life or the wheel of life is a place to get that overall perspective. I love what you say there. And maybe we can just drop a few howls of like how we keep our well-being optimal. And, and I know one thing, and you touched on it there for me, Casper, is I have a morning routine. I have a morning routine, which just sets me up for the day. It's, it sets me up intentionally. So my morning routine and everyone's morning routine is different. And everyone has a morning routine. You might go, no, I don't have a morning routine. Your morning right routine might be hit the snooze button three times, roll out of bed, grab an espresso, putting your clothes on as you're running out the door to get to work. That's a morning routine. 
And our invitation is, is that an optimal morning routine for you? Maybe it isn't. But the invitation is that your morning routine can be a place that really sets you up for the day. And it's it's also, and I've built mine up over 30 years, so it's a place of discovery. There isn't a prescribed thing to do. One of the things I do know is that for me, I do spend time in meditation first thing in the morning. So it's a quiet time. I then do connect with how was the last 24 hours? How am I feeling now? Am I purposeful? And connecting with that and then getting myself regulated and then setting an intention for the day. I've been a little bit off centre the last couple of days. And so my morning routine, I've, I've got the luxury of extending that a little bit. And I know that I've been doing some personal work. I've got some challenges in my life at the moment. I always have challenges that are just stretching me into my, out of my comfort zone a little bit. And so I'm just spending a little bit more time in my morning routine. Like I said to Casper this morning, like, I've been a little bit off. I'm okay, but just to let you know, that's where I am. And I'm, I'm coming back into that every morning at the moment. And then sometimes I wake up in the morning, it's 10 minutes of meditation, boom, ready to go. But making that commitment to yourself to fill your own cup up first, and know it sounds selfish, but then you are approaching life and stepping into life with a full cup. So you're, you can be really present with people rather than stepping into your day on the back foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us, Dave. I want to add to that just to my, my own experience of creating a morning routine that had been huge mm. for me, mm. huge. Mm. And I really feel that was a big step towards creating optimal well-being for mm. myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Listening to you speak, what I hear in that is you're creating space for yourself to mm. really check in Definitely. daily. Yeah. Yes, daily, yeah. yeah. And that's the reflection and refinement piece. And yes. when you were saying, oh, your morning routine was like roll out of bed, yeah. grab an espresso whilst getting changed and rush out the door. <laughs> yeah. That's your morning routine. And yeah, yeah. is that serving you or is that not? Yeah. That was me. Yeah. yeah. Four years ago, yeah. I used to use my telephone as an alarm clock. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So the first thing which would wake me up in the morning was a very irritating alarm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd roll over to probably snooze it. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah. once or twice, yeah. maybe three times sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And when I did decide that, okay, it's time to wake up, I have my phone in my hand. Mm. And what am I doing now? It's like mm. this kind of ha- automatic response of, I'll check my emails, I'll check my WhatsApp, mm. and I might even find myself on social media. So mm. I'm starting my day like already out outside of myself in some way. Yes. And I was running my business at the time and would have tasks to do or there was things going on or there, there could have been a, a kind of spanner thrown in the work somewhere. Mm. And mm. there mm. were times when I read my email and something would come in or mm. there was that would trigger me or upset mm. me or just mm. feel like, Oh, quite mm. a, a sort of rush of urgency is mo- now moving mm. through me. Mm. And I'm mm. up and I'm like already thinking about all the things mm. that I need to do today. And I'm mm. like in doing mode in mm. big time. Mm. And I'm like getting changed. I'm like mm. eating my breakfast. But my mind is not, I'm not here in the present moment. Mm. I'm like already a few hours ahead of what do I need to do? Yeah. Who do I need to talk to? How am I going to reply to this? Mm. What are the tasks? All of the mm. things. Mm. And uh, th- there's just no space for mm. really, okay, mm. uh, how am I mm. feeling? Mm. And I decided one, one autumn as it was getting darker that I wanted to really try to emulate this circadian rhythm piece. Mm. So I bought an illuminating alarm mm. clock to just wake me up a little bit yeah. more comfortably and it yeah. mimics like a sunrise so yeah. I could get some more consistency yeah. and really yeah. have some good rhythm yeah. going on within my body. Yeah. And I started to wake up 
really beautifully with this mm. alarm clock and it was mm. really nice. Mm. And I just noticed, I was like, I don't need to turn my phone on yet. Mm-hmm. So I would sort of slow mm. down and I would, mm. I'd sit on my sofa and mm. look out the window. And that gave me an opportunity to really just reflect. I was mm. like, how do I feel today? Mm. I started to be able to tune into my body. I'm like, I'm feeling like this conversation or this mm. thing. It's not mm. quite, quite working out for me or I'm feeling some resistance here. Like, How can I, what do I need to do or who do I need to be to not fix or just transform this, this feeling of disease? And that was just so big for me. It was, it's such a small thing, which made such a huge difference. Just creating that time in the morning to just arrive and like land in and really just tune into myself, my state, Mm. where am I at? Mm. What do I need? Mm. What do I need to do? What do I need to commit to today? Mm. And just start my day slowly and and a bit more purposefully. Mm. And then when I felt ready, it was like, Mm. okay, now I'm going to switch on Mm. my device Mm. and my approach to the challenges of the day mm. were coming from a much more centered and mm. honest place. Yeah. And that is, that was a game changer yeah. for me. Absolute game changer. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm smiling because it's that's touching on where I would go as a coach, which is, it sounds like you're on purpose. <laughs> and it's, that's what my morning routine is about. It's like really connected to my purpose. And I think I, I turned the dial up on it. It was seven years ago. I went through a very, it was a traumatic divorce and I was suffering from anxiety. I didn't realize it at the time and working with a therapist. And that was the moment I, re- I realized that it was leaking out into my work and into my relationships. And I made that kind of deeper commitment that I would get myself right every morning, no matter how I woke up and that, which gave me permission to feel anxious and scared and all the things that were going on for me. But then I would come back to this 100% responsibility. I'm creating these feelings. I can uncreate them as well. And sometimes that would take an hour for me. I'd get up a bit earlier because I knew I needed to do that work. But the power of that now, the accumulating effect of that now is, is it a form of inner peace that I experience? And for me, that's also, you used those words right at the beginning about peace, coming to a place of peace. And that's, I think full circle in terms of optimal well-being is any practice that brings you to your center and your peace is for me anyway a practice of creating optimal well-being for yourself so there is like an invitation to go and explore for yourself how can you create optimal well-being for yourself and i think what we're talking about here is the morning routine it really creates space Mm. and to live optimally i think we need to create space for ourselves and I think that creating that, creating those spaces for ourselves to really like tune in to our state and like what is causing stress within you mm. and really leaning into that rather than running away from it or numbing it out in mm. the multitude mm. of different ways that we can do that mm. and exploring it and transforming it is how mm. we bring about mm. just an increased amount of peace and ease into our lives mm. daily, mm. daily and ongoing mm. practice. And when mm. we bump into those resistances, it's like mm. awesome. Mm. Like now I'm going to, I'm going to figure out like what, where mm. this is coming from and I'm going to work on transforming that for myself. Yes. And yeah. essentially like peeling away the layers of that mm. onion. So you, mm. you can arrive at a place that is still and easy mm. and, and mm. operating from optimal well-being and optimal experience. Absolutely. And it just allows the well of your beautiful spirit to flow out. <laughs> and
Amazon. We hope you enjoyed listening to the inside job as much as we enjoyed recording it. If any of the topics we covered in this episode opened up a space of reflection or inquiry for you, or if you had any questions, we would love to hear from you. You can find our email addresses in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening.